This is Amy Bauman, and you are listening to Speaking Truth with Love. For more information about myself or For His Glory Ministry, you can head to amybauman.com. Now here is today's show. Good morning. Welcome to our online service. I'm Chaplain Amy Bauman, and I'm so glad that you're choosing to join us today. Maybe this is your first time watching Truth in the Streets, so just a very special welcome to you. We come together every Sunday as a body of believers all over the world. And so I just am grateful that you're, you're here with us today. I'm grateful for the word that God has given me to speak to us today. This is a timely message, especially as all the things that are happening right now in Ukraine and what we're seeing across the world. But we're right in the middle of a series called the Real Truth series, Real Truth for the Real World. And today we're going to be talking about the battle, the battle that we all face. And we need to recognize it's a battle so we know how to fight. So thank you for being here. We're just going to start off with prayer and invite the Holy Spirit into this time. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that you are still on the throne, even though when we look at the world, we see all of the sin and all of the consequences and all of the brokenness that we are all experiencing. And I just pray right now in Jesus' name that you will open up our hearts and our ears for what it is that you have to say, that you will equip us and strengthen us and renew us as we start this new day and this new week. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, into this place. I just pray for a fresh anointing that I will speak your truth with love and that each person that's watching, each person that's listening will hear from you today, Lord. We love you and praise you and thank you and ask all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus who saves. Amen. So we've been looking at the series, the Real Truth series, over the last couple of weeks. And we've been taking each week and looking at a specific thing. We've looked at what it looks like to wait for the Lord. We've looked at what joy looks like. And, and this week we're going to be looking at the battle. And so as we think about that today and the battle that we are all experiencing, I really feel it's it's it aligns itself with what we experience when we're going through something, right? They say that in recovery, the first step is admitting that you have a problem. And that's the first step to be able to take to get into the recovery and to let the Lord come in and, and renew you and strengthen you and take you outside of that addiction. Well, it's the same with understanding that the first step to overcoming in this world is recognizing that it's a battle. And I remember when I was a little girl standing up, standing up actually on the pew with the rest of the congregation. And each Sunday we would recite the Apostles' Creed. And we would stand as a congregation, our hearts and our voices would be unified. And we would decree and declare each Sunday what we believed as a congregation. And we would say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, 
born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again from the dead, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And as I would recite that each week, I felt confident in the Lord and who He is and who is living inside of me. But as I look back now, I wish that we would have regularly declared some other truths. Truth that I've discovered as I've lived in this world. Like the fact that there is an enemy who has come to steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible tells us that he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But this rarely gets mentioned at the pulpits. This rarely gets talked about in churches. And as the battle rages on, we, we walk around without a name for it, without an understanding. And a lot of times when we get into situations in this, in this life, we blame God. We blame God for our hardships. We blame God for our circumstances. We blame God for the way that we feel. And I'm here to tell you that this is a battle and that we need to take that blame and point that to the real adversary, which is the devil. We face an enemy we cannot see and fight a battle not with physical weapons, but with spiritual ones. But what happens when we don't really recognize that this is a battle? What happens when we wake up each day experiencing these struggles and these hardships and just think that this is the will of God? We move through our lives day in and day out, struggling, listening to lie after lie, believing that we are anything but the sons and daughters of God. We wake up one day to find that our joy has been stolen, our families are divided, our children are deprived of their identity. And we're seeing that so vastly throughout the world today. Our, our children, our young people, not knowing who they truly are, not believing that they are created in the image of God. And we find that our health is hanging in the balance and we're struggling with sickness and disease and depression and discouragement. It's as though we were struck in the night, we're bleeding, and the adversary has walked off with all of the spoils. We talked last week about joy and the challenging part about keeping it, right? Keeping it despite our circumstances. And we talked about one of the reasons we don't keep our joy is the very thing that we're talking about today, this battle, this battle that we all need to recognize and realize that we're in. So the first step, the first step to overcoming 
is recognizing that this is a battle. And the next step is learning how to fight. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. We're going to look at that right now. The NIV reads this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. When you look at verse 12, some translations refer to struggle, which is what I just read. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But if you look at the King James Version, the word wrestle is used, not struggle. This one word changes everything the way we look at this verse. Paul, the author of Ephesians, is writing to the readers of his time. And we have to remember that, that the Bible is, is living, breathing words of God. But it was written thousands of years ago by people that were writing to the readers of that time period. So those readers would completely understand what the, what the writer was saying because it was talking about what they experienced in that day. So to set the stage for this imagery, Perry Stone, author of There's a Crack in Your Armor, and if you would ever like to dive deeper into this battle that we experience, I would strongly encourage you to read that book, Perry Stone, There's a Crack in Your Armor. And he writes this, There were many different games in which men competed during the Greek Olympics or during the times of various festivals. However, wrestling is different because of these three things. Number one, you must always face your opponent and never turn your back. Because if you turn, you will be slammed to the ground and penned in a dangerous position. Number two, you must always watch and have contact with your opponent. Otherwise, a sudden move will be made that will catch you off guard, giving the advantage of your opponent. The third aspect is that wrestling is the only sport in which you never lose physical contact. Thus, wrestling is a face-to-face, eye-to-eye, hand-to-hand, and body-to-body contact sport. And in our case, as believers in this battle, it's not a sport. It's a battle for our very lives. So if you've ever seen wrestling, you've got two men on a mat in a circle, and they're faced off to each other like this. They're constantly keeping their eyes on their opponent. They're moving around against wherever the opponent moves, they move, and they stay within the circle. And if they take their eyes off their opponent, that is an opportunity and an open door for that opponent to slam them to the ground and pin them, and they're not able to get up. So when you think about these verses, when you think about verse 12, 
Imagine that this battle that we're facing every day with the enemy is not so much a struggle, but wrestle, a wrestling match. And you need to always keep your eyes on your enemy. Perry Stone points out to the reader why Paul, from this context, may have used the equivalent of the English word wrestle. Because the people of that time would have understood the sport, watching the two men face off, always keeping their eyes on each other, engaged in this hand-to-hand combat. And when we see that, we're, we're looking at our lives this way, And we see that we are in a life and death wrestling match with the enemy. And when we think about it that way, it really puts things into perspective. We are battling for our very lives. We need to be ready for combat. We need to recognize our opponent, the enemy, and we need to keep our eyes making sure we know where he's at at all times. And we need to put on the full armor of God and fight. Keeping our eyes on the enemy, carrying our sword, which is the word of God. And know these verses, which we need to be able to to carry out and say, it is written. So what is the armor of God? What does that look like? These tools that we have that are in the Bible that we have access to, but we have to ask ourselves the question, do we know about them and are we putting them on? Paul tells us, starting in verse 13, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that you may, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, stand. And I want to camp there just for a second. We need to be standing, aware of our dominion and authority, aware that we have Jesus inside of us and that the enemy is under our feet. And so many times we are overwhelmed by the enemy and think that we need to be afraid of him, think that we need to um, be fearful of, of what he's doing or how he's manifesting in our lives. But no, we have to stand knowing that who is in us is greater than who is in the world. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Let's take a minute and look at all of these pieces of armor so that you understand them and you know how to put them on. Number one, the belt of truth. The belt is so important because it holds all the other pieces together. Think about when you put a belt on uh, so that it stops your pants from moving around. This belt is in the center of us that we wear. 
and it holds everything together and it's the belt of truth. And you have to ask yourself today, what is your truth? If you're not believing in God's word, if you're not trusting what his word tells us and you're taking your truth from the world, you're not going to be centered. You're not going to be focused. You're not going to be believing the one truth that we all need today, which is God's word, which is never changing and never ending. And it's the one constant that we need. And we need to understand our spiritual truths and what God's word says instead of the lies that the enemy is telling us. So the belt of truth. Number two, the breastplate of righteousness. When we put on the breastplate, it covers up our heart and guards all of our internal organs. It also protects us against all of Satan's accusations. Proverbs 4, 23 tells us, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. It's important to guard our hearts. It's important to guard our internal organs, uh, keep ourselves safe from the fiery darts that are coming to us from the enemy. Number three, the shoes of the gospel of peace. Think of shoes as a way to center us, right? We're standing on a foundation and let it be with peace. And when we have that peace, that shalom from the Lord, we'll be able to move forward with clarity and wisdom. Because if you think about it, if you are standing on a foundation of anxiety, if you're standing on a uh, foundation of disrest, you're, you're not going to be able to make good decisions. You're not going to have clarity. You're not going to know how to move forward. And if we can carry that peace inside of us, that can help us move forward with peace and confidence in the Lord, not only for ourselves, but we're going to usher in that peace to other people, our families, our friends, our community. And when we are anxious and discouraged and operating in haste, we will not make good decisions. And we want God's peace to center us. So think of standing, putting your shoes on, and that centering you in God's peace. Number five, the shield of faith. Paul tells us in Romans 12, 3, that God gives each of us a measure of faith. And that that is a gift. But from there, we need to grow our faith in the Lord so that it can become this giant shield that can, as we hold that up, is going to block the fiery darts from the evil one. No matter what he tries to throw our way, we're going to be able to put up that shield of faith. And so now you understand that our shield of faith should be large and be able to withstand all the fiery darts. And if we're not trusting in God's word, if we're not having faith in his promises, and that God's word is God's will, the, sh the shield of faith isn't going to be large enough, and we're going to get hit with things, because we're, we're not going to be believing what, what God's word says. The helmet of salvation is next. We put on the helmet, which protects our head, and our the most vital part of our body, Right? This is where our thoughts are from. This is what we're believing about ourselves. This is what we're believing about God. 
And we need to protect our thoughts and not allow the enemy and all of his lies and all of his deceit to penetrate our minds. So we need to put on that helmet of salvation so that we can protect our minds and not believe the lies. And and what are some lies that maybe you're hearing today? That you're unworthy? That you're unloved? That maybe everything that you've done in your life, the mistakes that you've made, the sin, it's just too big for God. There's no way that Jesus can forgive you for those things. You've just messed up one too many times. Maybe you don't believe that God has a plan for you. Maybe you believe that the situation that you're in right now was caused by God because he doesn't really love you. Those are all the kinds of things that you might recognize as being self-talk, something that you're thinking about yourself. But no, those are lies from the enemy that he's whispering to you, planting that seed of deceit. And it's growing in your heart so that you're away from God away from his forgiveness, away from the things that he has planned for you. And that is exactly what the enemy is trying to do, is distract you and detour you to take you outside of the will of God. And then finally, the sword of the Spirit. While we have all of these other pieces of armor, the sword of the Spirit is the only offensive measure that we have. It's the only weapon that we have, sorry, defensive in nature, the sword of the spirit, which is God's word, is the weapon to use against the enemy. Let me rephrase that one more time. So all the other pieces of armor that we have are defensive in nature. We put them on to defend ourselves. The sword of the spirit, God's word, is our only line of offense against the enemy. Hebrews 4.12 describes God's word as alive and active sharper than any double-edged sword. And it was Jesus himself who showed us how to pick up that sword and fight against the enemy while he was in the desert for those 40 days and 40 nights and while he was being tempted by the enemy. And he used this very sword, God's word, and he said to the devil, it is written. He used that three times when the devil came to him and tried to tempt him um, to bow down to him, to leave the, the path that the Lord had for him and to be king of the world, the earth, the world, the worldly ways. And so we can too use these very words and God's word against the enemy by saying it is written. God does have a plan and purpose for me. God does love me. Jesus died on the cross to forgive me of my sins. I am forgiven. I am promised eternal life. I am healed by his stripes. We can use God's word in each of those battles that we are facing today and rebuke the enemy and say, it is written. Paul closes by saying, that we need to pray in the Spirit and all kinds of occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. You see, it's not enough just to put on the full armor of God. We need to pray. We need to ask God to come and work and move, and we need to cover it all with prayer. 
This can be done in prayers that we say over ourselves, or we can join in with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we can go to war with them. We can stand together, unified in our faith, as brothers and sisters in Christ, and pray against the enemy. Now that you understand the pieces of the armor, it's not just enough to understand them. It's not just enough to know that what they do and where to put them. You actually need to put them on every single day. And maybe, maybe you're questioning whether or not you're, you've had an attack. Or maybe you don't know what an attack from the enemy actually feels like. So we have to understand what are the devil's goals and maybe where is he attacking you right now in your life. So we need to know that his greatest desire is to distract us, push us out of fellowship with God, and he'll do whatever means necessary to do that. He will lie to us, isolate us, and and cause us to feel alone, lost, and ready to believe every lie that he is whispering to us. And trust me, when I say this, I've been there, and I've been in the season of my life where I've listened to every single lie, every word of discouragement, until I was isolated and alone and wanting to end my life. And that's his goal. He doesn't want any of us around. He wants to destroy us because we are created in God's image, that God has given us dominion and authority over this world, that God loves us so much that he sent his only son to save us. And that does not set well with the enemy. And he'll do whatever it takes to destroy us. And maybe you're wondering, well, how are the attacks coming? What, what is it going to feel like? Well, he will attack your desire to spend time with God. Are you feeling distant from God right now? Are you not wanting to spend time with him? Are you too tired? Are you too distracted that you don't want to make time to be in God's word? That's an attack. He will attack your focus and your perspective. How are you viewing your situation right now? Are you feeling hopeless? Are you feeling afraid? Are you feeling like there's no way out? The enemy is attacking you right now with your focus and your perspective. He will attack your identity. Do you know right now that you are a child of the Most High King? Are you questioning who you are and what you're made of and where your place is in the world? If you are, he's attacking you right now. He's trying to confuse you and attack your identity. He wants to attack your family. If you were to look at your family right now and, and maybe your relationship with your spouse, how are you sitting right now? Are you constantly fighting? Are you constantly wanting to end the marriage or the relationship? Are you sitting down as a family and discussing God's word? Or are you all in different directions, all on different devices? Maybe he's attacking your family right now because he wants to destroy that. What does that look like today in your life? He will attack your confidence. What is your confidence like today? Are you, are you lacking confidence in your situation? Are you lacking confidence in your job? 
Are you lacking confidence in your relationships? If you are, he's opening a door to come in and steal your confidence, steal who you are in Christ. He wants to attack your purity. Maybe you're in a relationship right now and you're getting ready to get married and the enemy is feeding you all of these lies and, and deceptions and all these things and, and who you are and, and what you want to bring into that relationship with your husband or wife, he's attacking it. That's a battle. That's a fight. That's what the enemy is trying to do. He will attack your peace and rest and contentment. He will attack your heart. He will attack your relationships. And while he is not most original enemy, he's definitely consistent. He's definitely cunning. And he has his own minions to do his dirty work. A third of the angels fell when God kicked him out of heaven and he brought all of those minions here to earth and it's not just the enemy that's doing it it's the spirit of rejection it's the spirit of depression it's the spirit of addiction it's the spirit of infirmity it's the spirit of suicide it's all of these minions that he has out trying to detour and distract the children of God and we don't have this ability to overcome until we recognize that it's a battle, until we recognize that who is in us is greater than all of those minions and, and the devil himself. We have to recognize that we need Jesus in our hearts. We need to use the tools that he's given us and we need to fight. Maybe you're listening today and you're realizing that you have been in a battle. Maybe right now you're currently being attacked by the devil. Maybe you're realizing that you're in a full-on battle with him right now. He's attacking your marriage. He's attacking your thoughts. He's been pouring on you lie after lie after lie. Maybe you are tired. You're tired of fighting. You're tired of going through the days listening to the lies, filled with all of the discouragement. Let me encourage you today that God's word is our sword. And that when we have God inside of us living in our hearts, we're able to overcome. The Bible is our truth, our, our point, our north star, where we need to go, the direction that we need to face. God's word is our only truth while we're living in this world. And we need to remember, and I've said this a couple times already this morning, we need to remember that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. That means, my friends, that we are victorious in Jesus Christ. And there may be battles, there may be battles that we face, but we win the war. And we can be confident of that because we know who's coming back to take us home. It's Jesus Christ. And we know who wins in the end. I want to close this out today with prayer. And then I want to leave you with this video. It shows us this conversation that we can have each day with God. That we can come to him with our concerns and our questions and our struggles, all the while remembering 
that God is faithful, that he will never leave us or forsake us, and that he's given us the tools to fight and that we can be victorious in him. So stay with me till the very end. I really want you to see this video. I really want it to be an anthem for you as we start this new week, as we move out into taking one step at a time, despite the shape of the world, despite the circumstances that are out there, despite the brokenness, you can be confident of who is holding your hand. So let's close out today in prayer. Won't you join me? Father God, thank you for opening our eyes. Thank you for allowing us to see this battle and for giving us the tools we need to fight. Help us, Lord, to put on the full armor of God every single day and to bathe all of the components in prayer. We lift up ourselves, our families, our neighbors, those that we don't know, those that are experiencing loss, those that are caught behind the battle lines of war, those that are struggling, those that are hurting, those that need you, Lord. And we offer them up to you and we pray that you will give them your strength and your truth. We are so grateful, Lord, that you've already won this war. Thank you that you have died on the cross to save us from our sins and that you have conquered death. We love you, Lord. We praise you. And we ask all of these things in your precious name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me today. I want to leave you with this video, but until we can be together again, until next time, be blessed. Lord, can you hear me? I'm here, fighting, pressing to remember what you said. But this onslaught of thoughts fills my head with dread and I need you. Like enemies encamped, shrouded in the dark, I can feel the fascination of too many temptations reaching for my heart. So I need you to hear me. For I know your ears are attentive to the righteous and I know that your ways are certain. Even when my worries would trample me to dust, still, I know you are good. Your hand is just. So come now, be the salvation for my sins. Help me to begin again that you would mend this trend of hopelessness. God, deliver me in my brokenness. I can feel your presence, even now in the ugly, in the mess that has been made. You surround me with your benevolence. Yes, your love is on display, and I can see it. Carving roads through the struggles and the troubles, past temptations and devices that seek to choke me out. So come fear, come failure, come opposition or doubt. Jesus, you are my deliverance. Your grace is sufficient. Trusting you is my only way out. 
Now I turn my mind to dwell on your truth. Curate the condition of my heart to manifest joy. Be my living proof. Subdue the haters. Quell the voices inside. Transform me, Lord. Extinguish my pride. You've won the battle. I trust in your plans. Yes, God. I surrender all my worries, my woes, and my demands into your eternally capable hands. Thanks so much for joining me today. Stay tuned for more Tuesday teachings, Sunday sermons, and encouraging messages along the way. And until next time, be blessed.